Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. Today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. If you've got a copy of the Word of God, open it up to chapter 10. We're going to begin reading at verse 19. Focus in on, on one statement in verse 25 and then give you two or three thoughts to go along with this catalyst that we're talking about today. Catalyst means this. A catalyst is a thing that speeds up a reaction. A catalyst is a thing that enhances a reaction. It increases the intensity of a reaction. It increases the efficiency of a reaction. We defined it maybe as a spark or an incitement. And our premise for this series was thus. If there are catalysts that exist in the chemical and the physical world, are there spiritual catalysts? That's the question we ask ourselves. Are there spiritual catalysts, things in our lives that begin to to increase the, the move and the presence and the power of God in our life? Are there spiritual catalysts that will pave the way for Him to work in a greater and a more mighty and a more efficient way in our life? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes. And we came to this series with two presuppositions. Number one, God is always at work. I'm here to tell you that God is at work in your life today. You may not feel Him, you may not see Him, you may not understand Him, but beloved, the truth is, God is at work all the time in your life and in, and in the life of His body. The second presupposition was this, if that is true, then I want Him to be at work in my life to the nth degree or to the max. How many of y'all would say today, man, I want everything God has for me going on in my life. How many of y'all would say that? Praise be unto God, yes. So we begin to ask ourselves, what are these catalysts? We covered, the first of all, the catalyst of faith. Hebrews eleven six tells us, without faith, it's impossible to even please God. For if you're coming to Him, you've got to believe that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those, the Word says, who begin to diligently seek after Him. Faith, you need uh, faith in your life. If you expect the hand of God to begin to move, you begin to exercise your faith. You begin to step out there under His leadership according to His design according to his desire in your life. The word counsels us from beginning to the end that the just shall live, how? By faith. That's what it says. This is a faith endeavor. This is not a work endeavor. This is a, a faith endeavor. Secondly, we looked at the catalyst of service. If you want to increase the power and the presence and the work of God in your life, get about serving him. Find that place of God called and God anointed service in your life. And you will find that there He is every time when you're undertaking it. You'll find that there His presence is, that there His power is. When you begin to serve Him where He has called you, doing what He's called you to do, man, His power begins to engender your life. And there becomes a, a reward. We looked at Hebrews 6.10. We're in that a lot this series. He told us that God doesn't miss a thing that we do. And at the end of this, there will be a reward. And yea, even during this, there will be a reward. What is that reward, Pastor? John told us ultimately this, that the reward is Him. That the reward is Him. It's nothing of this earth, nothing tangible in our hands. The reward is, is Him, beloved. And I can't think of a greater reward than the Lord Himself in our life. Thirdly. And today, if you want to see the hand of God move, a catalyst, if you want to know what one is to, to engender the work of the Lord in your life, today we're going to look at this catalyst. I call it the body. You know, the church herself, beloved, is a catalyst for the work of God in your life. 
When you become a participant in the body of Christ, my, how the power of God begins to work in and through you. The church, now be careful, is defined this way to me. Where two or more are gathered, what? In his name. What did he say? There I am in the midst of them. And beloved, that's the definition of the church. As we look at this little passage today, we're going to try to skin out a few thoughts about this church, our involvement in it, and how it unleashes the power of God, what it does for us in our lives. Let's read together. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. What a marvelous passage of Scripture on the heels of the new covenant being enunciated here by, by, I believe, the Apostle Paul as he wrote this book under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way. You're a part today not of an old and a dead way. You're a part today of a new and a living way. What a joy! Which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. That means by dying, uh, being buried, and, and rising again the third day. He tore the veil in two, and man, he made a way for us to walk today into the Holy of Holies. Not only that, we have a high priest, verse 21 says, over the house of God. So verse 22 begins with three let us's, and you need to pay attention to them. Let us, he says, draw near because of these truths with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. How many of y'all believe he is faithful today? That promise. That is the truth. Verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And here's my focal thought today. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more. As you see the day approaching. And my wife is very organized and very orderly, thanks be unto God. He gave her to me because I'm more the fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants guy, and she's the, the calendar girl, and she gets me where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, and she makes sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing when I arrive at that place. Man, if you go to our house, it's pretty organized, too. Even the, the outdoor decor, she coordinates with the seasons. We've got one of those little flag sets, you know, that you drive in the ground down at the end of your driveway. And man alive, if you come there in the springtime, she's going to have a flag on it that has flowers and sunshine and something about the dawning of a new day. If you come in the, in, in the, in the fall, she's going to have something about the leaves. And man, there'll be pumpkins and bales of hay on that particular flag. If you come at Christmas time, you can be sure that there'll be something of Santa Claus and a little bit of, of snow through the winter out there. But if you drive to my house today, I'm here to tell you, you're going to find a flag hanging on that post I, I've never had at my house before. I've been married to this lady a lot of years, and I've never seen this flag in our house before. It's a black and gold flag with a big letter A on it, and it says Mountaineers. Now, why in the world do we have an Appalachian State Mountaineers flag at our house? I'll tell you, I've never had anything against them, but I've never really thought a whole lot about them. But beloved, I'll tell you why we have one now. It's because we're a part of something up there that we never have been before. I'm a part of it financially to be sure. How many of y'all here? Hey, I am. I'm just honest with you. But more than that, I'm a part of it personally. Because you see, I let a little 18-year-old girl off up there about a month ago and drove home without her. 
Man, that place took on a brand new meaning in my life and a brand new thing in my life. And what I wasn't a part of at one time, I'm now deeply a part of because I'm concerned about everything that's going on up there. I'm involved with it personally. And I'm here to tell you, when you gave your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, you became a part of something. You became a part of something giant, enormous, eternal, very powerful. You became a, a dynamic part of something. Man, I, I believe there's a brand new flag that flies over your heart. I believe when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you took down that banner of sin, that banner of self-centeredness, and that banner of society, yea, even that banner of Satan, that banner that belongs to the kingdom of darkness. And I believe it was replaced with the blood-stained banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I'm a part no longer of the kingdom of darkness. I'm a part of the kingdom of light, a kingdom called heaven, a kingdom that belongs to Jesus Christ, who has God as its builder, Christ as its king and the Holy Spirit as its power. How many of y'all would say today I am very glad to be a part of the kingdom of the almighty God in this universe. How many of y'all would say that today? I'm glad to be a part of something so giant and so big. The word describes the church, beloved, and that's what you are a part of today. And we're here to talk about our heritage. What a marvelous heritage we have as a church. What a marvelous heritage we have as a people. And we look back as our own local body here, and we see the growth as we look around us. And I can remember in my mind the things that God did and who we were and where we've come from. And in reality, we're still the same people, just a little larger, maybe in a different facility, but still the same body and we share that common heritage together here and we share that heritage I'm telling you with the body of Jesus Christ wherever it may be located the word tells us that the church is described in a whole lot of ways in the in the scripture it tells us that it's a building of God, a permanent facility, something that God made for himself so that he could take up residence in. And it declares the permanence of it. It tells us that it's a precious thing. Doesn't the word refer to us in Revelation some four times as the bride of Christ? And in the last part, it said, the spirit and the bride say, come, and we wait on the bridegroom. But how precious to the bridegroom must his bride be? I do a lot of weddings, and, and when the bride enters, everybody stands up and they turn and they look at her. But I've got a practice that I've undertaken. When she comes in and begins down that aisle, I don't really look at her so much as I look at him because I want to see the look on his face, and I want to see the excitement and the joy that the moment is finally here. Can you imagine that Jesus Christ himself stands in the portals of glory, and his face is bright for one reason, and one reason only, he's anticipating that moment that his bride in her fullness walks through the gate and he's able to receive her unto himself. I'm a part of that bride today. The church is also referred to as the body of Jesus Christ. And beloved, we are a part of the body of Jesus Christ today. And that's a powerful thing. The word tells us that Christ is the head of the body in the book of Colossians and that he in him has the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All authority, all power, everything that the Godhead has to offer, Christ has and he sits at the top of his body. And beloved, we are a part as his body of the working out of the plan and purpose of God in this universe. And when the body of Christ begins to move, beloved, she is a powerful force to be reckoned with on this planet. 
What a thing we are a part of today. The body of Christ. Man, I wrote this down. The only thing that dampens his work and power in your life and in this world today is the church divided. When the body is divided, the work of God... Is that me, brother? You want me to change out? I can change out quickly. Handheld. I can go there. How about that? Amen. Somebody give the Lord a praise as I gather myself here just a little bit. The only thing that dampens his work is a church divided. A church united. A church together. Man, it's yet to be seen what God can do in and through them. There's one little phrase in verse 25 that says this. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But you need to get together. Man, you need to encourage one another. You need to exhort one another. And look what he says. He says, all the more, grow more intense in your exhortation as you see the day approaching. And beloved, as I look at our headlines and I look at the world around us, I see the day approaching. So what is our job as the body of Christ? To forsake not being together in these moments, but to get together at every hand's turn and begin to exhort one another. All the more as we see the day approaching the church I defined as two or more gathered when the church is in one place physically and spiritually great things begin to happen now I'm going to tell you a TV ministry is good to cut the TV on and watch somebody preach that blesses me that's a wonderful and a mighty thing but it's no replacement for assembling together with the body of Jesus Christ let me tell you live streaming I'm glad that we live stream on the net I can't tell you how many people that are a long way away from here some in Florida some on the coast that tell me, Pastor, I watch you every day, every Sunday, I watch you. Every Sunday morning, I'm there for the worship. That's wonderful. And if you're watching, I'm glad you are out there. And we're proud for the technology to make that possible. But that's no replacement for being around fellow brothers and fellow sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have podcasts. We have everything coming and going that make the Word of God available to us today and the worship of God make it available to us today. But there is no replacement placing the assembling of yourselves together a little bit from our heritage i remember in the early days neil you guys might remember this some of y'all gary and elaine that's been around here gerald a little while on our bulletin for years and years and years was this verse hebrews 10 25 forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. When we get together, big and mighty things begin to happen. What happens, Pastor? What are the power of God is engendered in our life? Why is the body a catalyst? What does it cause? Three thoughts right here quickly. Number one, when the body gets together, I want you to see this. Our nearness to God begins to increase. When the body of Christ gets together, when you run into a fellow brother or a fellow sister in Jesus Christ, when we come into a house of worship just like this, when the body of Christ gets together, I'm here to tell you that our nearness to God begins to increase. It seems, I wrote this down, that the church can press into the presence of God together in a way that the individual cannot. Now, folk, I love to worship the Lord individually. How many of y'all have a, a personal worship time? And we'll lift your hand and say, gosh, how thankful I am to have a personal worship time with the Lord. Sometimes that's not planned. As a matter of fact, the best times I've ever had with the Lord are not times that I said, all right, I'm planning this, Lord. It's just a time that He began to show up in my life. And, and man, my mind turned to 
toward him and I began to love him and, and he began to love me and before long I was caught up and, and in a place I just never believed I'd be with him in that particular moment. One of my favorite places that he usually shows up is in the shower. How I many of y'all worship in the shower? I mean, hey, anybody can sing in the shower, beloved, so that's a good place to worship the Lord. It was a few months back I was in the shower, and I got to thinking about some of the praise songs. Man, I just began to sing and, and sing into the top of my lungs, holding nothing back. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures. You say you're going to sing this morning. No, I'm here to preach today. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures. And, man, that led from one thing to another thing in shower worship. Man, that led to, to hairbrushing worship. It led to ironing board worship. It led to getting my suit on worship. It led to, to worship upon worship upon worship worship, me and the Lord in my house on Dileaf Lane, and then something catastrophic happened. The doorbell rang. How many of y'all hear? Hey, here I am, singing to the top of my lungs. The doorbell rang. I almost didn't answer it. Tried to pretend like I wasn't at home, peeked out the window, and realized there was a service guy who told me he was going to be there that morning to do some work around the house. And man, I didn't want to open the door, but I thought, gosh, he knows I'm here beyond a shadow of a doubt. I've got to face this, I guess. And I opened the door, and there he stood with his paperwork in his hand. And a tear was running down his, his cheek. And he said, Pastor, I want to tell you, the Lord is good, isn't he? His mercy does endure forever. And he said, I don't care what you do. Just keep on keeping on with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just keep on worshiping, beloved. When he and I connected together on that front porch in that moment, I thought it was on when I was by myself. But when another believer, a brother in Jesus Christ came alongside me, the Lord himself showed up on that porch on Dileaf Lane. And you talk about a time of nearness to God. We had it together right there in that moment. And church, when the body of Christ comes together, when we come together in his house this morning, it ought not to be us getting here and checking all the boxes and, and making sure we're doing everything we're supposed to. Listen, it ought to engender a nearness of the Holy Spirit in our lives when the body comes together. Didn't you enjoy Nathan leading you in worship? Doesn't that engender a nearness of the Holy Spirit of the living God in your life? Beloved, that's what it ought to be when the body of Christ gets together. You want to see God move mightily and powerfully in your life. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Get together with the body of Christ and you will see that the nearness you have to God is increased exponentially. The second thought that I have is this. Not only is our nearness to God increased exponentially, I want you to know that our hold on our faith is what I call increased exponentially as well. Our hold on our faith. Look at verse 23. Not only does he say, let us draw near those who are born again, those who have full assurance of faith, those who have had their hearts sprinkled from an old conscience and been changed to a new conscience, those whose bodies have been washed, let us draw near unto God. Verse 23 says this, let us hold fast, what? The profession of our faith without wavering. And then parenthetically, he makes such a bold statement, for faithful is he who has promised. And see, when the body of Christ gets together, a very powerful thing ought to happen. We ought to begin to testify to the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our lives. A testimony is a very powerful thing, beloved. Advertisers use them all the time, don't they? If you watch any TV or you're on the Internet, any and all, there's going to be somebody on there with a testimonial about a certain product trying to sell you on its benefits and on its glory and on its goodness and make you feel like, man, if I don't have this in my life, I'm missing something. 
Man, I saw one on TV the other day that would that promised it would regrow your hair, rejuvenate your marriage, and rewind the clock. I was sold. How I many of y'all? Hey, we can turn back the hands of time in your life. I was sold. I was about to order till they showed a picture. Have y'all seen this of a 75-year-old head on a 25-year-old body? Beloved, I thought, boy, I can't buy into that. I'm sorry. You had me with the testimonials, but the visual did me in, beloved. I, I jumped off ship when I saw it. A testimonial is a powerful thing. And beloved, the church of God ought to be the place that when we come in, listen to me now, we don't talk about the ball game and we don't talk about everything that's going on. You say, is it wrong to talk about those things? No, it's good. But beloved, when we draw into the presence of God for the purpose of worshiping God, our testimony ought to be about God, who He is and what He's done and how He has shown up time and time and time again in our lives. You know, history tells us that the greatest revival started when the people of God began to pray and testify of the goodness of God. The psalmist said to us, man, one generation ought to declare his mighty works to the next generation. It's our job to tell of the might and the mercy and the goodness of God and not to bottle up what he's done, but to share it. And man, when you're in a testimony service, doesn't it somehow encourage your faith? When you hear what God has done in the lives of those around you, doesn't that somehow stir up your faith and man, make you leave believing that He is going to do what He promised you He would do? Man, it may have been 30 years, but a testimony might stir up your faith and you'll lay hold to it. A testimony in the life of a Christian is a very powerful thing. It's what saves us. You know, you can't even come to know the Lord without a confession in your life. The Romans tells us that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that then we shall be saved. So it's essential for salvation. It's essential for overcoming. Revelation tells us that we overcome Him. How? By the blood of the Lamb. And then what does He tack on to that? And by the word of your testimony. Somehow it overcomes the enemy when the body of Christ begins to testify to the goodness of God. And here today we see in this little passage tucked away, that it's an encouragement to you. It's an increase to your faith. It helps you lay hold to it in a way you never could before. And beloved, I'm going to tell you what I want in my life is somehow my faith to be stirred up. And the best way for that to happen is just to begin to testify of the goodness of an almighty God. When you talk about Him, He gets active in your life. When you begin to tell who He is, your relationship to Him becomes more intimate. When you begin to speak of the things He's already done, your belief in the things that He will do grows exponentially. Why is the body a catalyst, man? It helps us get into the presence of God. How? It increases our nearness to God. When the body begins to get together, He shows up. The Word tells us that He inhabits the praise of His people. When the body gets together, our hold on our faith is strengthened. Man, you might have been ready to give up and go home, but you got in a place where people started talking about how good God is and how faithful God is and what He's done in their lives, and all of a sudden you leave with a firm hold on your faith. Lastly, I want you to see this when the body gets together our production as christians is what i call increased our production as christians is what i call also increased i love the word down in verse 24 when it says let us 
consider one another. That means think on one another. Be concerned about one another. Take care of one another in order that we might provoke. I love that word. One another unto love and the good works. A lot of times when we think about provoke, we're thinking about drawing out somebody's ire or anger. We think of it in a negative way. But right here, the Lord uses it in a positive way in our life. He says we ought to provoke one another to a couple of things. To love and to good works. In other words, when the body gets together, we become catalysts for one another. And we begin to provoke one another to love and to good works. You want to know how to provoke the body unto love? Well, man, you just begin to love the body. When I feel like I'm receiving love, all of a sudden I have this propensity or this compulsion inside me to give love. When I begin to love on you, it's natural for you to begin to, to love on me. And the body of Christ ought to get around one another and not drive one another down, but love one another and encourage one another up to love. Our production of love ought to increase. Secondly, he says to good works. Man, we ought to provoke one another, not to the things of the world, but to the things of God. We ought to provoke one another unto good works. I remember we went on a, a mission trip to Kentucky a couple of years back. Took a ton of people up there. We had more potatoes than you could shake a stick at. I don't believe we could give all the potatoes we took up there away. I think that was one time we overestimated our ability to give away for some reason. We had every kind of produce you could have up there. We decided we weren't going to wait on people to come to us. We were going to go to them. So we bagged that produce up and jumped on a couple of vans and out in the community we went, handing out bags of produce, attempting to share the love of Jesus Christ and his gospel with the people in that neighborhood. Man alive, we pulled into a little place our van did, and a bunch of our people got out and headed up. There were five or six, seven, eight mobile homes just strung together there. They handed up through their mobile homes, and my eye fell on one front yard where there was a couple of people standing there with a, a couple of children that were playing outside. It wasn't long till the mom came out of the door. I mean, hey, anybody that's in the front yard talking to your kids, you want to walk out the door and see what they're saying to them out there. It wasn't long till the mom came out, older sister came out. Long story short, there was five of them standing around there before it was all said and done. And listen to me, those five people in that moment gave their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ in the back of a holler up in Kentucky. Right there, born again, children of God. You think when we got back down there, we didn't talk about that a little bit? Sure we did. Man, we began to talk about that. We began to rejoice about that. We began to praise the Lord for that. It wasn't very long till the other van pulled in. I'm not going to tell you who was driving it, but I guess it was Mike Hurst. I might as well go ahead and tell you. It was our university-age adult pastor. He was driving that van. He had his van full. They got off, and, of course, the first thing that happened was everybody ran over to him. Man, we had five people. We had a family come to know the Lord Jesus Christ down here. It was glorious. It was wonderful. And Mike screamed to the top of his lungs, Everybody back in the van. There ain't no way they're getting more salvations than we are today. We're going back out till we get six. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? I said, brother, you sent me. He said, hey, make a competition out of it. Somebody will try to win it every time, pastor. That's what you need to do. What are we doing? Provoking one another unto good works. And you see, when we get around the people of God, all of a sudden we begin to want to do things for God. We begin to love one another all the more. And, man, we, we begin to desire to be used by God all the more. And we say, man, if God's at work in that life, then he can be at work in my life. And, man, he's at work in this body. I, I want to be a part of what he's doing right here in this place. And we find that the body becomes a catalyst to us because our production as Christians begins to, to increase as well. Man, I don't know about you, but 
If there's anything in life I want, it's more of the work of God in my heart and my soul. If He is at work in me, I want Him to be at work in me to the max, beloved. I don't want to get to heaven and Him say, Stace, I would have done so much more in your life. I, I would have worked in you so much more deeply. I would have worked through you so much more productively. But you just didn't. You didn't understand what you needed to do to turn me loose in your life. These catalysts, beloved, are precious. The catalyst of faith. Yes, the catalyst of service. But don't you overlook on this Heritage Day the catalyst that is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ itself. There's a reason that he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But be around the people of God. In the book of Acts, we see the early church always together, don't we? As a matter of fact, they're beginning, the word says they were in one place. And they were in one accord. I'm teaching through that book on Wednesday night. If you're interested, come. Every hand's turn, everything that's going on, you see the body of Christ not separated, but you see them together, physically and spiritually. And what a mighty thing happens when the body of Christ gets together. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828 628 1188.